Welcome everyone once again to another episode of the Immigrant's Journey podcast. I am your host, Carmenetta, and this is a space where we grow and learn about Ireland's immigrant populations and immigrants abroad. I am so delighted to have with us today a fellow DCU alumni and a friend, Amira Alamani, who is chatting with us today from Oman. Amira, welcome to the show. I really appreciate it. It's my absolute pleasure. So tell us, what was it like growing up there before you came to Ireland? Well, um, I was born in Oman, as you introduced. Um, It is very different than coming to Ireland and living there. Of course, there's so much um, cultural um, traditions, even the religion, language difference. Um, I think back home here in Oman, we're very... um, socially oriented like we're very into families it's all about being dependent on one another it's not like the western culture where independence is more encouraged like back home we're all together and decisions acts is all about the social and the family reputation and i'd say that coming from home and going to ireland becoming independent was a bit of a struggle because, you know, coming to Ireland, you have to be independent and you're there by yourself and trying to learn new culture and as well trying to mingle with other people with different backgrounds was quite difficult. So I, so I think like the most struggle is coming from a very dependent culture, dependent on the family and coming to a Western country where it's all independence and that's like the difference like that's the difference between eastern culture and western culture like eastern culture is all about family every decision every act like it's all influenced by your family it's not really you who's making your own decision there has to be some approval as well so i think that's like a huge difference growing up in oman and then coming to ireland seeing that difference in culture kind of like encouraged me to take my own path and lead myself towards what I want and take responsibilities. Like, of course, coming from a Middle Eastern background, we're not as open-minded as um, Ireland or other Western countries. So there are few restrictions, but I would say these restrictions are more based on religion and culture. Yes, um, so... There are some restrictions that I can list. It's a long list. It's some religious, like like the religion kind of like influences the culture. Yeah, absolutely. What would be something in your culture, though, that you really like? I'd say food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love food from all over the world as well. Like being in a very social and dependent culture depending on one another has its drawbacks but as well it has its advantage you always have the support that you need either financially emotionally like it's lovely to always have family gatherings and have like sunday feasts that's what i love about my culture because i know other cultures don't really encourage that you know there are 
once they turn 18, they become independent. They may be away from family and all of that. But our culture is encouraging us to be together with our family. Even when we become older, later on, we're still close with our family. And I think that's what I love the most about my culture. What do you think about in cases, though, where your family is really strict and really has more fundamentalist notions of how you should live in your life? I would say that's a definite disadvantage, because like if you want to get away from your family because the way that they're forcing you to live isn't in any way giving you a kind of liberty to be yourself, you have nowhere to go in that kind of situation. Whereas I feel like I was raised in a really strict home, right? But because I was raised in the West and you have you have this value for the sovereignty of the individual, it's perfectly acceptable for a young woman when she turns 18 to go out, get a job, get her own apartment, live away from her family and do her own thing. If I grew up in a culture that didn't have that mindset, I would be really shunned by society and maybe my life would even be in danger. Yes. Well, um, I agree with you on that aspect. Like, um, as I said, there are advantage, disadvantages, sorry, um, with such a culture. Um, but at the same time, I'd say it really depends on the family. Like, we've changed throughout years. Like, the Muslim culture, how they were in the past, it's way different than how we are now. Like, now it greatly depends on the families, especially educated families. So, like, for example, in my situation, my parents, I wouldn't consider them too strict. To be honest, they are understanding, but at the same time, they would advise me to what they think is right. Like, they wouldn't force me. They would keep advising me, especially if it's concerned with religion because and culture, because they wouldn't want me to give up on my religion or culture. So they'd keep like advising me, repeating the same conversation and all of that. But they wouldn't like, like force you to death. Like you have to do this. No. But um, the same time, as you were saying, like once you turn 18, we don't really have from Middle Eastern culture, not everyone, because there are families who are more open-minded, okay? But like most of us don't really have the privilege of living by themselves once they're 18, unless if you go for education or some like education pur purpose or like a job opportunity that's different. But say if I'm staying in Oman, I turned 18 and I study university in Oman, I wouldn't live by myself. I would still live with my parents. Whereas coming to Ireland, like I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to come to Ireland, especially that it was encouraged by my father. From that, I was able to live by myself in Ireland and I was able to discover a lot about myself that I thought I wouldn't have. Like I got opportunities and I got to learn a lot about myself more than being like at home with my family. So I think... It depends, but either ways, even if I come back to Oman, I would still live with my family because that's the cultural mentality. A female should always live with her family, like other than marriage, where she is able to live with her husband. But other than that, it is usually the case where 
a female lives with her family. Um, you had mentioned as well when we were talking before that, like you have your ethnic background is partly African and partly Arab, and that you've observed a bit of clashes between the Arabic and Eastern African cultures. Can you expand a little bit more on that? My great-grandmother is African, um, Eastern African from um, Zanzibar, and she was there in Africa, and my parents were born in Rwanda. And the reason that my family were born in Rwanda, because back in the history, there were so many immigrants from Oman to Africa for business purposes. So many of my great-grandparents were in Africa, and that's where my parents were born, and they lived their life there. The clash over here is that I can see a difference between my family and some fully Arabic family, like in a way that my parents are more understanding. They are more open-minded, like I can see some clashes in my Arabic Omani culture tradition and the way my parents think. It gets really confusing when my parents kind of, when my parents incorporate both culture. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if what I'm doing is right or wrong, because um, at, at some point my parents would have the Arabic mentality, they'd be a bit like strict and all of that. And then other times they'd have the African mentality where they'd be more chill and open. Um, sometimes when or when I think about it, it's like, I don't know what the consequence is. Would my parents react in the Arabic mentality or will they react in a more chill African mentality? So it's a mixture of both. And in some situations, it confuses me of how I should live my life, to be honest. <laughs> um, because, like, because I wouldn't want to... That is really interesting. Yes. Um, it's like kind of like in psychology, we would say kind of like bipolar, but it's not bipolar. It's just like different backgrounds. It's just two different backgrounds for them getting to live at an older age in Oman, in the Arabic culture, and then ha them ha being in the African culture when they were young, where they were more chill and open-minded, and they got to do a lot that now in the Arabic culture is not really acceptable. So um, I think as well they struggle. Like I think my parents also struggle when they try to advise us. I can see at times that they struggle because they know that they used to do what they used to do and now they're telling us to do the opposite. And I'm sure it's confusing for them as well. But the bright side is that that's what made my parents, I believe that my parents are more open-minded and like the big, the major, major, major difficulty is at home would be, it sounds so, like, it sounds silly, but at home would be talking three, four languages in one sentence. That's a clash itself. Like, <laughs> like I'd be speaking, like, with my parents would be, like, speaking Arabic, English, and Swahili in one sentence. And sometimes my mom would speak French as well because when they were born in Africa, they learned French because it was colonized by the French. So there'd be like so many languages in one conversation that at times I struggle to communicate with other people, my friends. I'll be speaking Arabic, English, Swahili, and they'd be like, Amira, pick one language. <laughs> so I think that, <laughs> I think that takes time to get used to it. For sure. <laughs> What's something about actually both your cultures that you really enjoy and that people maybe don't know about? Um, 
Well, I think I enjoy the most about both would be the food, to be honest. There are similar food because um, Eastern Africans were influenced by Arabs as well. They were colonized by Arabs, few countries. The thing is, I have, like, I wouldn't really be able to say much about the Eastern African culture because I wasn't born there. I was born in Oman and I've just grown up speaking Swahili and Arabic and I've seen, like, how my parents are, my grandparents are, but I didn't really experience the African culture in Africa, if you could say, but um, I, I still, I still like experience the culture through like my parents cooking, like they'd be cooking a lot of African cuisines, even sometimes more than the Arabic food that we usually eat. Anyone asks me, what do I enjoy in both culture? I just think of food immediately. <laughs> As well, like I'd say the African um, culture, like through my visit to Rwanda and other countries in Africa, I'd say the dance and the music. And they love to dance when they play the African music. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a very party type of music. And that is very much influences our weddings. Like our weddings is not typical Arabic wedding. We would have more African music than Arabic music. Mm. And that's so interesting. Like, so like usually we would have like, Arab, we would listen to uh, to African songs and like Afro beats and all of that. And I think that's what's interesting in the African language. It's just, it's very rich in music and dancing and as well in food. So I think that's like the three things that, in the Arabic culture, I say that I love the language. Like I find it the most complex but beautiful language, like in my perspective. Um, although it is very difficult and I'm not fluent in Arabic, to be honest. But I think with the Arabic culture, the language is very strong, like especially in literature, in poetry, in history. The thing is... I wouldn't really be able to fully describe the Arabic and African culture because I, with my upbringing, I never felt that I was belonged to one more than the other, if you get me. I feel like I'm not fully Arab with how I am because my mentality is not fully Arab at all. And as well, I'm not fully African. I have a mixture of both, but at the same time, I have my own culture like my own culture from what I independently, personally learned from other people, from other cultures I like to incorporate into how I am, into my personality. So when someone asks me to describe fully both cultures, I really struggle because I don't, I'm not attached to any one of them completely. Like I'm influenced, but I'm not attached to any one of them completely. I'm very open to new influences and new cultures as well. That really suits what I think is right for me, of course. So in terms of adapting in new cultures and being open, what was your experience like? You touched a little bit when you first came to Ireland, the independence part of it. That was a bit tricky because you weren't used to that. What else did you experience when you first came here? I understand that everyone goes through a culture shock. But I think (laughs) I didn't experience that when I went to Ireland. Because um, I have traveled before 
So when I went there, I think the only struggle at the beginning was becoming independent. But for me as a social person, I didn't really struggle getting to know people. I I socially adapted so easily in Ireland and everything else once I was able to understand how the system works in the country and everything, which was at the start, being independent is a part of it. Like you have to understand how the system, the regulation of the country, everything is different from where you came from. So that was like, once I got to do that, I was able to live, to live my life in Ireland smoothly. What I really, really loved about it is that fact that I was able to meet people from different backgrounds and cultures. That, that, was, that was very fascinating for me. Like whenever I think of Ireland, I think of all the people I've met in Ireland, I think my love for Ireland comes from the people I've met and the experiences I had. And that's the thing that I was not able to experience at a great degree in my country, in Oman, as most of us are like citizens, many of us, but in Ireland it's very multicultural and very like mixture of different ethnicities. And I think through such experiences, that's where the difficulty came up. It's not really the country or anything. It's just the experience you have with the people in Ireland, with different people. That's where you really experience pleasant things or as well you get into problems <laughs> depending on who really depend on who you meet so for me what I've learned a lot and the difficult part in Ireland was being careful with who you meet because not everyone you meet really has good intentions <laughs> yes. you me. so from my ex- from my experiences with different people I think that's where I struggled a bit like overall, I'm actually glad I had such an experience because it really put my personality into tests. Like it's really tested my patience, my strength, my self-esteem. Like all of this was tested throughout living in Ireland. In the end, I was able to have a stronger character and a more, you can say, a fair understanding, a fair mentality about people culture which I was which I wouldn't have been able to develop if I was just in Oman like I was able to gain an insight into different people's mind into different religion into different culture and I think that was like the biggest hit of living in Ireland (laughs) like I was able to mature Absolutely. So tell me about a time in your life when your plans didn't go the way that you wanted to how did you adjust well, hell, what, the situation we're in is a good example of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the COVID-19 situation <laughs> that we are currently in, um, I think that was like the biggest um, really disappointment. I had so much plans to do, plans, visas and all of that. And especially I like to get everything ready on time. I don't like to postpone things. I think those plans were very affected well with the first example I had to come back home as soon as possible because it's a world pandemic airports were closing especially back home they were shutting down completely and it's either it will be difficult to find accommodations everything is closed everyone is worried and you know coming back home 
was quite a shock for me. And I had a lot of university assignments, um, assessments to do online. Um, that was another pressure. <laughs> Other than that, it was as well the emotional pressure. Like really, it was very emotionally disturbing for me because I didn't know what would happen in the future. I had to leave without saying goodbye to all my loved ones, to my friends, to everyone. I, I left even without taking my stuff from my apartment. I literally left with my laptop and books and two clothes, and that's it. It felt like I was escaping from a country that I consider my second home. And the same time, there was a risk that what if I don't come back? There was that thought of what if I don't go back? And that what emotionally hit me. It took me a while. And honestly, till now, I'm, I don't really think about it much because it still hurts, especially being in a place in Ireland for five years. And you've already formed family over there. You've formed everyone there, you know, and living in such a way is very very sad, to be honest. Like, everyone wants to close a chapter in a pleasant way. But for me, it was just an escape because of the pandemic that's happening. To adjust with that, at the start, I had to avoid my feelings to get through my university work. Because if I can't deal with how I feel, at least let me deal with my achievements, with my job, with my work in university. Like I've went through a lot in five years and I can't give up now. So let me first at least do something positive and get done with my university assessments. So I focused on that rather than focusing on my feelings. No, I'm a great one for doing that as well. It's like if things are making me feel a way that it's like, I really can't handle that right now. I just get myself so busy that I literally don't have time to think. And I suppose there's a positive and a negative side to that. <laughs> exactly. It was positive in a way that I was able to, uh, to get done with everything. And I think I'm officially graduated from university and I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of you as well. I'm proud I'm proud of everyone who was able to finish the year um, in this way, in this unfortunate way, but we were able to go through it and do it. Um, the negative part is like once I was done with everything, that's when it emotionally hit me that there has been a drastic change with my life that what just happened, like it's still like, it's like my mind is still trying to figure out what's happening trying to process every stage since the day I came back home, especially that when I came back home, I didn't really come back home. I was confined at the hotel for two weeks because of the coronavirus. They had to test me and I was confined there for two weeks. Like imagine coming back, you don't see your parents, you don't see your family, immediately into a hotel room and you can't leave the room for two weeks. They deliver the food up to your door and that's it. You know, so I was like literally surrounded with four walls for two weeks. And that was a struggle for me because physically I couldn't really move much. In Ireland, I walk a lot and suddenly you're in a room for, for two weeks. Like your body is just feeling so much pressure and strain. Like it, it feels like your muscles literally feel so weak. And then you have your mental health where you just keep thinking 
like what just happened I, I just came literally yesterday I was in Ireland and now I'm here by myself you know but then with the amount of work of university it actually made me adapt to that two weeks and then I came back home that was another stage that was my second stage of shock when once I came back home and so like our house is a full house <laughs> I have my brothers I have my parents so Suddenly, being surrounded with a lot of people was a second shock for me because I live in an apartment in Ireland. With, I share it with two flatmates, but everyone is by themselves. So suddenly coming here, surrounded with so many people, it was a second shock for me. It was uncomfortable that I didn't really feel like I had my privacy. I didn't really feel like I was able to do whatever I used to do in my own time pace. You know, it's like... We have to be together for lunch, for dinner at a certain time. And I'm used to having lunch and dinner at different times, <laughs> not the same time they have, you know. So it's like my schedule just got messed up. And then now it's the third shock, which is the emotional shock where I'm just, I just keep thinking of what's happening, of what happened, of the people I love, of everything, of everyone. But at the same time, I don't want to restrain myself from thinking about my emotions, from crying as well. If I feel like crying, I will cry because I think it like I've done enough avoiding my emotions for two months, almost two months. And now it's time to deal with it, to deal with it, to think about it as much as I want. And then I would be able to accept it. And for me, to accept it, I've been weighing the pros and the cons of what's happening. And through that, I was finally able to understand that coming home was the wisest decision. There's a saying in Ireland during the pandemic, of course. So that was the first step of me accepting what's happening. And then, of course, trying to think of job opportunities, trying to think of my future I think I reached a point where I am accepting that working home would be better for the present time, of course. With everything that's happening, the pandemic, I have more chances to work in my own country than working in Ireland for a short period. And then I can think of coming to Ireland to do something else for future studies and all of that. But for this year, I think thinking about it and being more realistic and logical with everything that's happening... I've been able to accept the situation. But of course, at the same time, I'm still emotionally sad with everything that's happening. But I think by time, I will get over that sadness and I'll be able to look it at the positive way throughout the entire experience. So I guess it's just about emotionally experiencing everything and trying to understand why you feel these emotions and what are you going to do about it? And it's all about, literally, it's all about thinking about your emotions and trying to understand yourself and then trying to make plans and weigh the pros and cons of situation, of your present problem to adapt to your feelings and how. Yeah, definitely. Like that's my way of adapting to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. What do you feel is the best life advice you've ever gotten? I think this is the advice that have helped me throughout my entire life that an ending is not 
is not the end of everything. Like say an ending in a phase of your life, it is not the end of the world. It's just the beginning of another phase. For me, I had to move out. Like I have to move through cities in my country, within my country since I was a child. So when I had to move from one school to another, it was terrible for me because I already formed friendships since I was like, since I was a child, I already formed friendships. And when you're a child, you always feel like your friends mean everything to you. (laughs) So moving cities and moving schools, it always made me feel that that's it. That's the end. You know, I won't be able to form new friends. I won't be able to feel the happiness I always felt. And my mom always told me, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, it's just a new beginning, you know, and you will love the new beginning as much as you love the old one. And it was the same thing, but for some reason, my character is quite emotional when I get when I get attached to some people. So for me, when I lose this friendship or attachment, it feels like that's it. I can't do it, you know. So and it's the same thing when I had to leave my country to come to Ireland. I had to distance myself to my best friends. So I felt like it was the end of the friendship. It was sad. I had friendship for like 10 years and all of that. And I thought, okay, people are changing and people will move on. And that's, that's the end. And now this year, I've, like, I actually really felt that it was the end for me when I had to come back home <laughs> so fast. And I had to leave myself, my friends, everyone in Ireland. I just felt like that was the end. But now I feel like, it was just a phase that was ending, but it's, it's not completely over for me. I have so much to do in the future. I have so much opportunities. I, have, I, I may never know. I may go to another country. So it's not the end of my life because I, all, I usually like to exaggerate emotionally and be like, that's the end of the world. It's the end of my life. Like, how can I do that? How can, you know? But now with my parents always told me that it's not the end of the world, but there'll be other endings as well. Change is not necessarily a negative thing. I always thought that change is a negative thing. I never took change as a positive thing. Because I was just too attached in my safe bubble. I like to be safe, feel safe, where I can feel vulnerable. So for me, especially with my experience in Ireland, I went through so many situations where there was changes. Changes in people, changes in me as well. And I understood that change is not a negative thing, especially if someone says to you, oh, you have changed. For me, if someone tells me that, I take it as a positive thing because yes, I have changed and everyone changes every day. Everyone learns something new. Everyone tries to fix something about themselves. So change is not necessarily an negative thing and change as well can be opportunity, can be chances. So with that, it has been helping me as well in this COVID-19 situation that there has been changes in my lifestyle and in many other aspects of my life. I'm trying to look at it at a positive way. And I think that is a fabulous note to end on. Amira, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and getting your perspective on being in Ireland, moving abroad, and finally in the whole COVID situation. 
And thank you everyone for listening. And until the next podcast, ciao.